Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed epiphany season for all of you this Thursday, January the 13th. I am really finding myself that Epiphany is kind of a Christmas, um, not letdown is the right word, but kind of deflating from that time. And also it is such a rich time of us to have Epiphany, looking at the Magi um, this past Sunday, looking at the baptism of our Lord this Sunday, looking at Jesus and the wedding at Cana. And we continually see Jesus throughout the season. And that's exactly what we are about here in Thy Strong Word, to see Jesus, our light and our life. And Christ, this light shines on us today from Matthew chapter 9. It actually relates very well for the Epiphany season because we see Jesus continue with his great deeds, showing us what kind of king he is with his healing and calling sinners to himself, which is a reminder for all of us that we have a God who brought himself down to our level and brings healing and calls us as sinners to himself. I mean, what joy and comfort that is today. For we know that when we go through these books, we slow down and we see Christ knowing all the riches that he provides for us every single day. For the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. And as we come to this Thursday, it's almost been a week since um, I came back on Friday. And so we've been asking all of you to write in, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, and tell us where you're listening from. So far, we've heard from Ohio, Illinois, Missouri, Wisconsin, Oregon, Hawaii, Nebraska, Pennsylvania, and even from Sri Lanka. All of these, we give thanks to you because we know when we say Christ for you anytime, anywhere, it is so true that Christ's word, Christ and his word is being proclaimed throughout the nations. So send us an email. Where are you calling? Where are you uh, listening from? And tell us how long you've been listening to KFUO so we can give thanks for you and also thanks to our Lord. Today, as we dig into God's word, helping us to be strengthened by this word, we welcome back regular guest, Pastor David Boisclair of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Pastor Boisclair, happy epiphany, and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Yes, a blessed epiphany to you. So, Pastor, tell us what's going on for you, your family, um, Faith, Bethesda, St. Louis in general. Give, give us the goods. Well, um, uh, we're kind of in the grips of uh, the Omicron spread, um, you know, and our, our people are trying to cope with that. Uh, and, it, and it's the manner in which God puts his people, uh, you know, in the midst of uh, trials and tribulations. Uh, but uh, ultimately, as St. Paul says, we, we may be wearing out <laughs> on the outside, but inside we're renewed by the gospel. Amen to that. So, so anything new in St. Louis? I mean, I, I know our listeners know this, and you know this. I love St. Louis. So, you've gone to have you gone to Hodax again? Have you gone to any fun things in St. Louis lately? Well, yeah, we were probably <laughs> planning on doing that, um, and um, it's just uh, you know this is this winter is a little bit um, uh, perhaps a little colder than last year. We were spoiled last year, and and um, but um, it, it's pretty much. Pretty much everything is the same. Uh, you know, as a circuit visitor, I, I'm helping congregations or a, a congregation uh, in in a vacancy, and and also it's just a joy to do to be about the Lord's work. 
Um, you know, we're kind of going through transitions, so I would ask that the listeners would keep our congregations in Pine Lawn in their prayers. Absolutely. And a reminder to our listeners to pray for those congregations that are currently vacant, obviously not vacant from the Word of God or from Christ and His gifts, but to, 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 to wait for a shepherd, a pastor that has been called to bring those gifts, to continue to pray for them and for our circuit visitors as they help and assist and nurture those congregations as they move, move forward in that process. And I'm going to tell you this, Pastor Boyce Claire, you should, on Sunday the 23rd, of January, go to Hope Lutheran Church, and you can hear my daughter in the choir for St. Paul Lutheran High School, The Singing Saints. What do you think? Oh, is that over in at Hope uh, St. Anne? In, up uh, on the yeah, north side? Hope, Hope in oh, St. No, Louis. In the uh, probably mm-hmm. down in the south. Oh, yeah, it's down in uh, Oakville. There's there's more than one Hope. Like, there's more than one <laughs> <That's right>. faith. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, uh, right. that's on the 23rd, uh, 23rd during, during their regular worship yep. services. Yeah. Well, it's at, it's well I, I mean, afternoon. if the Lord gives me the gives me the opportunity, I'm I'm hoping to be able to do that. I will. Oh, I, if I'm if I'm at all able to do that, I'm I, to rejoice uh, and our young people singing praise to the our blessed Lord. Once again, Sunday, uh, January 23rd, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, actually, at Hope Lutheran Church in South St. Louis. And you know what? If you see someone named Avril Finner and you give her a hard time for me, deal? Absolutely. That's a deal. <laughs> Good. Well, Pastor, as we begin looking at Matthew chapter 9, can you begin our time in prayer? Yes. Let us pray, Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. Guide us as we consider the signs and wonders of your ministry of reconciliation, a ministry of healing and forgiveness, fashioning for us your family of faith of which we are your blessed members, blessed in your name and by your righteousness. Grant that we may trust in your perfect word of forgiveness and life that we hear from the gospel, from your called ministers, from one another. Give us life, O Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions for us concerning our text, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or send or call us, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Pastor, Matthew 9 is a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really excited um, for our time today as we see Jesus and, and how he calls people and how he is serving people and the questions that arises. Uh, how do you want to start us off as we look at these verses this morning? Well, um, and I imagine, as, as you did in the introduction, uh, Matthew, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, guided Matthew to structure his gospel uh, so that, that you have sort of like a section of um, action and, and uh, you know, just, just like everyday life. And then you have uh, sections of uh, just straight teaching. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount uh, is is like uh, from five to seven, and then you got eight and nine, which is which is all the signs that the Lord performed uh, in His ministry, and interspersed with with uh, very helpful teachings from Him. Uh, I like how He says, uh, "The foxes of uh, have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head." Which I mean, here you've got the Lord of the universe, the Creator of all things, uh, uh, you know, and being God and man at the same time that He can be a poor itinerant preacher, <laughs> and 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 shows uh, shows that uh, you know He's He's about the kingdom of God. It's isn't it just in the manner of God to do that? 
as 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 he would uh, do his ministry, and uh, it's just it's always a delight to be in in his presence, and and that's kind of what we have here. We, we we're just like in the in the middle of it. We can kind of even uh, imagine ourselves walking with Jesus. Uh, it's interesting that Mar, uh, Matthew. Uh, uses uh, the what is called the historic present uh, in this particular uh, pericope that we're using at, which is kind of saying, here we are coming uh, into the city, and here these uh, disciples of John comes to come to Jesus, and we get to be a fly on the wall, and we can listen to what he has to say. What a joy that is. Thank you for that perspective, because it is so true. It is almost like we are walking with Jesus, seeing the way this, well, seeing the king function in a way a king we have never um the way any other king has never functioned before and right. and that's exactly what we hear today yeah pastor anything else before we begin well uh, i i think it's in the context of the ministry of reconciliation or forgiveness uh the 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 uh, pericope just before this is the healing of the paralytic, mm-hmm. and uh, that that really was an instruction on how in Christ's ministry and in the church, he uh, it, the, the the main mission is to uh, impart forgiveness, forgiveness that is won by him on his cross and given to him uh, because he has authority to forgive sins and to heal and and uh, and as the God Man for us. And a very common theme throughout that, that Jesus doesn't only say he has authority, but he proves that he has authority. Like at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, they're like, this guy seems to have more authority than the scribes we listen to. And so, and then he continually proves that he has full authority that he used to share his grace with us. So let's begin here, Pastor. And I think we can slowly go through these passages because, like you said, we just got done with the calling of Matthew. Jesus eats with sinners, and now, so so they're having this feast, and you almost can imagine people are like, wait a second, they're not supposed to be eating, they're supposed to be fasting. So verse 14, a reminder to your listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version, Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. We'll just go there. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? So I, I, I just wanted to have you break down the the, the, um, the context here. Disciples of John, who are they talking about? Well, they're talking about John the Baptist, uh, and um, so he had disciples that were surrounding him. He's the forerunner of Christ. Uh, I think Jesus identified him as the greatest human being that ever lived outside of himself. Um, and um, he, uh, they, they were, they of course performed a preparatory ministry of of the call to repentance. Um, and, and, uh, of course, fasting, of course, is a, is a sign or is an element of repentance. Uh, and, 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 um, you know, John, John's preaching was, was very fire and brimstone. You know, the ax is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree that will not bear fruit will be cut down and cast into the fire. But even in the midst of all of that, uh, John did preach the gospel to the people, which is very important because any proclamation of God 
to uh, the people of the world must be law and gospel. And so in, in this case, it's kind of like an emphasis on the law, on, the, on, on basically convicting sinners of their sins. You know, I mean, John uh, didn't have very nice things to say to people. Uh, you know, you brood of vipers, uh, who warned you to flee the wrath to come, or, or things like uh, God is able from these stones to raise up uh, sons to Abraham, <laughs> and so <laughs> and and like I say, uh, it, it's kind of like they they're 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 still in that way of preparation. But you know, this also points out the fact that this is kind of maybe the last uh, act of the Old Testament, because with the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's the beginning of the New Testament, and so that that's kind of what was what's going on there. It shows that they're very very devout men. I mean, John himself was, you know, like some people might consider him what they call an ascetic. You know, they, they kind of go uh, without uh, nor- the, the creature comforts of life, and, and they're kind of like wandering out in the wilderness, eating locusts and wild honey and dressed in, in itchy camel's hair and, and so on, and, 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 and just uh, uh, putting, uh, getting people to go into the river and, and be baptized. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's definitely, uh, uh, we call it, he's a, he's an unassuming figure in this whole thing. And he sends his, uh, you know, it doesn't say that he sends them, you know, Luke 7, you know, he sends them to Jesus and says, are you the one or should we wait for another? And so it's right. kind of a, I, I found that as, as a unique distinction. And they ask him a question. So go ahead. Go ahead, Pastor. Yeah, and, and, and it's interesting that people wonder a lot of times, and maybe John himself may have had doubts. I mean, he was a sinner. Mm-hmm. Only Christ was not, uh, was not a sinner. John the Baptist was a sinner. You know, I mean, looking at it maybe with the be- in the best possible light, he wanted to hear from Jesus' own lips. Yeah, I'm the Messiah. And, and, and Jesus is kind of like, um, you know, it, isn't it obvious, folks? You know, look what's going on here. You know, I, the, the dead are being raised, the, the deaf are hearing, you know, and, and, we're, and blessed are those who are not offended in me. And like, and here is, it's similar to what Jesus said, uh, you know, you guys are like children in the marketplaces. You know, just because we, we play a song, a happy song, we expect you to celebrate like a wedding or, or, uh, or you know, we play a dirge, you know. You, and here you call John the Baptist uh, a, a person that is a demon because his, his disciples are very, very uh, austere in their, in their spiritual discipline. And then here you got me. You know, I'm I'm among you, and, uh, and 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 you call me a wine bibber, and and uh, you know that that uh, deal, uh, sort of associates with tax collectors and sinners and so on. You know, we're we're having a party. You know, you think we're just partying up all the time, but right. you really do not understand what's going on here. And it's interesting that John's disciples lump themselves together with the Pharisees and says, hey, listen to this. I just saw you with those sinners. Um, I fast. I even agree with these Pharisees on this one. They fast, but you don't. What? I mean, you kind of alluded to this. I want to see if you want to pack it even more. Like, what's going on with John's disciples, and why are they asking this, and 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 how does this all connect? Any thoughts? Well, uh, the you know, the Pharisees, if they were to be um, sincere men or women— they they were uh, intent on serving God and and following the scriptures. They were more they were more um, uh, faithful in their in their 
uh, taking the entire Old Testament. Uh, The Sadducees, of course, only had the law, the uh, Pentateuch, the the five books of Moses. Uh, The the Pharisees took all of Scripture of the Old Testament. So there was many, in many cases, the Pharisees, uh, you know, provided a good example of of people of God that are, are, uh, you know, listening to his word. But the trouble was, is that they're law-oriented. And in in a sense, I I think what we can see here is that uh, the disciples of John, you know, because they should have been following Jesus. There were some disciples of John that that John, of course, indicated, you know, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Andrew and Peter and and them, they're following Jesus, you know, and, and, and in a sense, John himself even alludes to this in in, uh, chapter 3 of of the Gospel of John, where uh, John the Baptist calls Jesus the bridegroom, and he's the friend of the bridegroom. And so, you know, he must increase, I must decrease. So, and, 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 you know, you can see the interplay of law and gospel here too, because they're saying, okay, we're, we're sorry. Anytime you fasting or mourning or something, you're mourning over your sins. You're, 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 you know, afflicting yourself in order to show that, that you're, uh, you know, uh, that, that you recognize that your sins have brought your wretched condition upon yourself. And, and, and now it, they need to hear the gospel. That's kind of yeah. the idea. And he, and he definitely does not play their game. He does not address fasting. It's almost like he's saying, listen, I just had a Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, check it out, and I'm going to move forward. So here's right. the words that he says here, verse 15. I'll just stick with 15 for now. And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as a bridegroom is with them? The day will, days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they then they will fast. This is a little bit of a head-scratcher for us today because, you know, wedding is one day. We don't really think about fasting after a wedding. Um, it's really a language and a, and, a, and, a, and a historical reality that's way different than what we have today. Any thoughts on the history or the, the context of what he's speaking about? Yes. Um, the, the, well, I, I, I more more or less understand by this that he's speaking of of his coming passion. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's saying now it now is the time for the 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 epiphany. Now is epiphany season. Let's wait yeah. for Lent to come. Um, and, and and Lent, of course, is the forty days of fasting before uh, the celebration of his resurrection. Um, in in the case of uh, like uh, you know you, when you're talking about a wedding that's something that went on for for weeks uh, maybe maybe a week or two or whatever it's a time of joy and it, it reminds us of the promise of God that uh, in the end when the end of the world comes that those who have trusted in Christ will uh, be united in the marriage feast of the Lamb in His kingdom which has no end and if you ever say that in a, in a liturgical setting you got to just keep going with the with the phrase because you're tempted to to stop. Uh, you know, we we celebrate in the Lamb and His Kingdom and His His bridal feast, which uh, ha, has no end. And so that's that's kind of the idea. But the, you know, there's a contrast there because the the law makes us fast. The the uh, uh, wedding feast uh, makes us uh, rejoice and celebrate the gospel. And that's one thing I, I read is this portion in verse 15 is really Jesus inviting John's disciples to believe, to believe, guess what? I am the bridegroom and here you can rejoice. 
um, and I will go away, and that's when you fast. But right now, I'm the bridegroom. It's time to rejoice like you do for those weeks at a wedding, which brings us to you know Jesus at the wedding in Cana and, and that language, and ultimately to the final resurrection where the, the marriage feast with the Lamb. So he's, it's really an invitation telling them, hey, time to rejoice. I'm here, and, and just like at a wedding feast, we can rejoice. Fasting will come, but how about now? We turn that frown upside down or something along those lines. Any any other thoughts on when he brings the bridegroom into this? Uh, I guess a kind of a parable, if you will. Well, in, in a sense, uh, the Lord is saying the ministry of, of your teacher, John the Baptist, has been fulfilled. I mean, in other words, that, that I have been pre- prepared for. Now is the time to receive uh, the, the good news and to, and to be witnesses you know, Jesus says to his disciples before he ascends on high, he says, you will be my witnesses. And so it's time to witness the glories of, of uh, his, his uh, you know, being manifest among them. You know, this, these are, this is a perfect text for Epiphany. It's, in fact, I think it is in, 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 in number of, uh, you know, like whatever year it is, but it would be year A, I guess, which would oh, be okay. next year. But, uh, you know, this is Epiphany. You know, in other words, uh, it is God's intention to show the world that this is the Savior through the signs that he uh, accomplishes among them. And it's a good reminder for us that it's time to rejoice. I mean, you know, Christ has come, you know, Christ is coming, uh, Christ still reigns. I mean, it is it is a wonderful reality for us to rejoice. Then he kind of moves on in verse 16 and 17, and says something new is here, rejoice. And so why are you, I guess, not rejoicing? Why are you trying to insert the, you know, the square peg into the round hole? Um, And he does it in a beautiful way. Verses 16 and 17. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on the old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment and the worst tear is made. Neither is a new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. I'm reminded here, Pastor, of two things. One, I don't put any um, new pieces. I don't, I don't mend my pants. If they have a hole in it, I just get rid of it. Um, I don't really drink wine or go to wineries, so I don't understand this whatsoever. How can you help us out? Well, uh, a cloth that is new or, you know, newly um, uh, weaved uh, will will shrink or or, um, expand. Uh, You know, like if uh, like in my case, I've got a few extra pounds. Uh, I put on a a pair of uh, uh, of like uh, underwear or something. You know, sometimes the the uh, the the, uh, uh, elastic uh, stretches out too far. Uh, and so he's talking here about cloth that that has has already gone through the process of of uh, expanding uh, f- with you know being by being worn, and so uh, it, it it's not going to expand anymore. And and if you and and so you know maybe you should put uh, old cloth on that if you want to patch it because otherwise the new cloth which is is it, which is ready to expand you know that's the, that's what's what happens with it uh, you know will will it, it would simply be a bad idea to put that new cloth on on the old. Uh, on the old cloth, and then you have, of course, the wine. Uh, you know, is is fermenting. Um, you know, it, it, there's a period of fermentation, 
And, uh, you know, that's why if you put it in new wineskins, those wineskins will stretch. But the old wineskins have already been stretched. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you maybe think, oh, I can put more new wine in it. And, and uh, guess what? The new wine is still expanding. It's still fermenting. And, and the uh, new wineskin or the old wineskins are, are burst when that, when that happens. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it, I, I kind of look at this as, as sort of like putting the gospel, you know, maybe imprisoning the gospel in a law context, Two, you know, obviously he's saying, you know, this is the the time of the gospel. This is a new a new uh, period in in God's relationship with His people. So there's a difference. But uh, I think there's a danger which the medieval church, the and, and you know even part of the early church, uh, where where they were going back to the law, and how can you put the gospel into a context of the law? And when you look at it. When we do put that in those contexts where we, we take the gospel and act like Jesus is an, ex, an extension or just kind of a nice little addition to the Old Testament, like, okay, you have all this. Okay, then there's a little bit of Jesus, as opposed to Jesus being the new thing, Jesus being the whole thing, Jesus being the fulfillment. All you're going to always have is all this tearing in our conscience. We're just going to have this explosion of of not understanding the fullness of the gospel and where you just, it's just never going to quite fit together. And what you're left with is a guilty conscience. Who's not able to understand God because you're always just kind of adding and adding and adding without ever taking away without ever seeing Jesus. And so Jesus really brings us, I think to our knees a little bit, because I think we tend to do this where we tend yep. to add a little, Jesus kind of as a nice addition as opposed to the whole thing. Any thoughts? Yes, exactly. And I think you well, you know, we're as pastors, you know, we're, we're constantly finding different ways to homiletically express this. How, how are we going to apply this to our people? And that's that's exactly how it applies. And it, 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 if you, if, you know, as as Martin Luther showed at the Reformation, uh, the medieval church was was putting new wine into old wineskins and or, or putting um, uh, unshrunk or new cloth into old uh, garments and so on. And because they 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 would it, they were legalistic and they weren't they were not celebrating the gospel. The gospel is like a. Uh, uh, yeast that a woman puts into uh, measures of dough, and it expands, and it 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 it, it explodes, <laughs> and 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 grows to to uh, wonderful proportions. We we so the gospel is what should motivate, and which does motivate. You know, there's no you can't you can't make Christians by the law. You can only make Christians by the gospel. And so when the gospel is is given its full uh, shape and and uh, scope. Uh, then, then it 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 does the the wonderful, amazing things of the kingdom of God. And I want to, you know, that's that's the joy here, the epiphany joy, the rejoicing that the bridegroom has come and the bridegroom is coming back. Don't try to add to it. Don't try to take away from it. It is all about Jesus. I want to talk more about that on the other side of our break. We are studying Matthew chapter nine with Pastor David Boisclair, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. 
To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Thursday on Issues Etc., we'll get a review of the Disney Plus TV series, The Book of Boba Fett, from Pastor Ted Geese. We'll have Bill McKeever answer the question, Can Mormonism Thrive as a Global Religion? And we'll respond to your email and the Issues Etc. comment line. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, wrote, There is one vice of which no man in the world is free, yet everyone in the world loathes it when he sees it in someone else. And the more we have it in ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. He's talking about pride. Dr. Michael Ziegler and the Devil's Pendant this week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 1230 and 5 p.m. on KFUO. Take a look around you. Look closely. Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people, or 26% of the population. So chances are there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. Welcome back. We are studying Matthew chapter 9 with Pastor David Boisclair. And we really, today's verses are very well known when we look at everything. And it's about, as Pastor said at the beginning, restoration. Um, it's about, as we've been talking about, re rejoicing in what the Lord has given us. And, and then also making sure that the main thing is the main thing. That it is Christ for you, the cross for you, the resurrection for you. Jesus ascended on high and still reigning for you is exactly what Jesus is saying. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Make it all about Christ. Pastor, before we move on to the girl restored to life and the woman healed, any last thoughts you have on those first few verses? Jesus said, um, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like a householder that, that takes out of his treasures things old and new. And when he speaks about the things that are old, of course, that's the law. And the things that are always new, as the gospel, is always a new word, even as the angels said to the shepherds, you know, and good tidings of great joy. You never heard of this before. And eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things that the Lord has prepared for those who love him. And so here he's talking about the things that are old and the things that are new. So, you know, if you guys are, you're, you're trying to, uh, uh, by, by, you know, saying that perhaps my disciple, myself and my disciple should be fasting, it, it's like putting um, unshrunk uh, cloth or, you know, new cloth into old garments and new wine into old wineskins. You, you just can't do it. 
Uh, but, but you know, you treasure both the law and the gospel, even as Jesus says, the householder that brings out of his store things old and new. So, uh, you know, both will be preserved if things are kept in the proper, um, you know, perspective and, and in their proper use. So let's move forward, because this... I fully admit that there's a lot of time growing up that I just was not paying attention as I should. But I do clearly remember when my father would, my father as a pastor would read this next story, this true story of scripture, and always wondered, what does that mean? Um, And two of them stored into one. So verses 18, I'll go through verse 26. While Jesus was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, for your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away, for the girl's not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl rose. And the report of this went through all that district. So there's a number of references here, Pastor, where it says, behold, and and we hear this continuously throughout Matthew. It's kind of like, hey, chin up, look up. It's time for you to see what's going on, because this is not how a normal king acts. So what's happening in these verses? Well, I I just wanted to say that uh, one um, uh, New Testament scholar has put it, I I don't know who it was, but uh, says that it's it's interesting how the different... uh, Gospels or the gospel writers, by the by, the uh, inspiration and direction of the Holy Spirit, um, did uh, basically arrange their material. Uh, Matthew is considered to be kind of like the headline gospel because he, as you can see, uh, if you read the same account in uh, Luke and in or in Mark and Luke, you see a lot more detail here. So, so he's he kind of summer he he kind of. Um, uh, condenses it a little bit by the by the direction of the Holy Spirit, um, and um, uh, you know, and, and what's going on here, of course, is again Jesus is is about his uh, ministry of manifesting the kingdom of God. It's present. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of, of God is within you, uh, and and of course in your midst, and and so uh, and, and then like a uh, in a, in all of this, it's it's kind of like. Matthew wants to kind of maybe get the broad picture in in presenting uh, these, um, uh, you know, maybe uh, abridged forms of of these uh, healing accounts. So it starts with, um, he's on his way. There's a daughter who had just died, and we have no reason to believe that she was not dead. I mean, they they were not... um, you know, sometimes we might think of the people in the first century as not being very smart, but they, they knew when someone was not alive and they knew when somebody was not. And so clearly that this daughter was, was dead. And on his way, behold, a woman suffering from a discharge of blood believes so much that this guy can heal her that she touches his robe. And then he later says, your faith has made you well. 
So pastor, how would you break that down? How, I guess, how would you preach that? Because it is a wonderful story in scripture. And how would you preach that? Or what would you say about it? Well, the, um, we're talking about death here. Uh, the, in the case of the uh, Jairus's daughter, we know from the other gospels that this is Jairus. Um, and um, uh, his daughter is dead. Uh, in the case of the woman who uh, suffered for 12 years, uh, uh, Mark says she suffered many things from physicians. So she was, uh, she was living a, a life of death because she was unclean constantly. You know, she couldn't really uh, take part in life uh, the way uh, her, her other. So, so uh, Christ uh, raises the dead here uh, phys- phys- from physical death and also from, um, you know, maybe you would call it virtual death or, or um, you know, maybe a, a improvised death, you know, by, because, of, because of the uncleanness that this woman had to suffer. And and it and it's just that how he brings life to to the it, it's just so it's so delightful it's so joyful it 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 just explodes with uh, the uh, you know presence of Christ among us and that of course is what we do in in uh, the worship service Christ as he showed himself to the disciples that are on the way to Emmaus uh, or to all of us as we celebrate the divine service we we await him uh, you know manifesting himself and and here it it also shows it want to wants to emphasize the um wonder of this you know the woman only touched the fringe of his garment you know sometime if you remember when um uh uh, the um, uh, the the gentleman from Syria, the the uh, with uh, Elisha, um, Naaman the Syrian, uh, yeah. Naaman. Uh, you know he 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 says uh, he goes to um, Elisha's home and and he and he knocks at the door and and uh, and and then um, Elisha says, well, to Gehazi his his servant, just go out and tell him to go and wash in the Jordan River seven times and 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 you'll be cleansed of your leprosy and and you know and 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 naaman is a you know here i drove all the way down here from damascus <laughs> and and uh, i hate these these uh these rivers here our our rivers uh, uh farpar and abana in in damascus are better rivers you know i if i got a wash in something i'll wash in them i thought he was going to come out and call on the name of his god and put his hands on me and 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 heal me you know, and the same thing in this case, the woman that that uh, seeks healing from Jesus doesn't want people to know that she's doing this. She just kind of sneaks up behind him or under him or something and touches the fringe of his garment. You know, if only I can do that, I'll, I'll be. And she was healed. And, and of course, what's important here is to remember the faith of these folks. You know, in the case of Jairus, his faith, you know, lay your hand on my daughter and she will rise from the dead. Or in the case of the woman that that was healed from the discharge of blood, you know, she had faith. You know, faith, of course, receives the forgiveness, life healing from the Lord. And that's 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 vital in this situation. It, it, I think you know if you you know if our, the re, uh, the listeners want to, they should look at the the parallels in in Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel. It's sort mm. of like you know Jesus here he is going through a bunch of people and and then he says, "Who touched me?" 
And the disciples say, come on, right. no, Jesus, there's all these people around you. Who touched me? And then, and, you know, it's because I felt virtue or power coming out of me. And then the woman, uh, you know, just just mortified. She comes up shaking and, and, and saying, you know, I, I, you know, and Jesus says, great is your faith. You know, how wow. wonderful is that? How wonderful is that? And, and that's just another example of how this king, and this is a common theme, is the kingdom of God uh, has come, the kingdom of God is here, and the kingdom of God is coming. And so here we see Jesus as a king, which let's just say that this woman would have taken one of the king's uh, expensive part of his robe or something for herself. That, that the king would not treat her in a gracious way. He would say, give it back or you're going to jail. And here, right. and this goes into that account you're mentioning, she touches the fringe of his garment and gets healed. And when he addresses her like, hey, who did this? Of course she would be fearful because a normal king would say, you took something from me. Now you have to pay it back. And Jesus says, no, your faith is great. Your faith has made you well. I mean, it just shows you this good and gracious king that shows us what he does now. And then also points us to the time because he doesn't heal everybody in the crowd, but he shows us no. a time where he will bring um, the uh, uh, maybe take a step back is that this woman has 12 years of uncleanliness. I mean, there's no shot of her going in the temple. There's no opportunity for her. And like you said, Naaman, uh, who had leprosy, there's no shot of him being able to be clean enough to be able to go in front of God. And here he shows that you can be clean by Christ. And that's exactly what he does. A good and gracious king bringing cleanliness to his people so they can come with uh, with confidence to the throne of grace, as Hebrews 4 tells us. Anything else? Yeah, yeah you know, it's interesting. You know, you know, I love theology. And um, I, 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 I don't Amen. I don't uh, regularly care for uh, Karl Barth because he's reformed. We're Lutheran. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think there's an important thing to remember about that because uh, we're the we're the uh, uh, Church of the Gospel, the Church of the Augsburg Confession. But anyway, um, Karl Barth uh, was rather interesting. He even said that God created human beings uh, because, for the sake of the um, the manifestation of Christ as God and man. So it, it seems to me that Karl Barth would be the kind of guy that would say, in the Old Testament, uh, among the Hebrews, they had, there was the law of Moses that you had to have fringes, so you had to have tassels on your garments to remind you, um, you know, of of some you know, teaching of the law or, or God's God's kingdom. And, and th God, they did that so that this woman could have uh, a tassel or a fringe to touch when she sought healing from Jesus. That so would be something that Carl, Carl Barth would say, you know, hmm. or, or, you know, hmm. many of the things that it's, it's always uh, so that we are confronted and we're invited into the kingdom and we're invited and empowered to have faith in in the one who is uh, the the healer and the king. And this, I mean, how could we not see that physical, tangible um, reality in this, and not think about the Lord's Supper as well—that He gives us something to eat and drink, and to make us new, to show us that He is the main thing in our life as well. Any 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 connection that that you would see there as well? 
Oh, my goodness, yes. Uh, that that uh, old uh, Lutheran theologians like uh, Johann Gerhard said that that's the, the, uh, the live coals that uh, are taken with tongs from the altar by the seraph that came to Isaiah. Uh, that, that's the holy, the holy sacrament. I mean that's that's sort of that's the holy of holies as it's often presented, and of course uh, I mean you know, obviously Jesus himself uh, you know is is what is given in 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 his body and blood, it is the same body and blood that he sacrificed for us, and in in such a simple way, just touching a fringe of a garment, just eating consecrated bread and wine, which is his true body and blood, you know he comes to us so lovingly and so and so quietly and tenderly. And as we look at this, there's there's this connection that I found. Dr. Gibbs speaks about this in his commentary that when it speaks in verses 21 and 22. I mean this is really fun. So just give me a moment is that when they use the word well in the um the ESV, it's the term it's three times used in those verses. And it's the term sozo in Greek, to save. And almost every time it's used in the Greek, it's used to speak purely of salvation. Like you are, you are saved. Um, God, God has saved you today. Salvation has come to you. That kind of language. But here in Matthew 9, 21 and 22, and it says made well, it uses that term sozo. And it's the only time it's used for salvation. Clearly they had faith, but also for healing. And I can't help but make the connection that we see now in the new hymn, though, when we give a blessing after someone receives um, uh, receives communion, that the blessing is that the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you. And it says, in body and soul, reminding us that God just does not like forgive our sins, but he also renews us physically in our lives, that we see the salvation and mercy that God does then, that he still does today, and obviously will ultimately have his fulfillment when Christ returns. I just found that fascinating that this is a time where you see salvation not only in, oh, I've been saved, but also that he brings his physical healing, he brings his kingdom, and he points us to when Christ will return. That that those two things are inter- interconnected, as you mentioned so beautifully, also with the Lord's Supper. Any thoughts on that, Pastor? Yes, uh, I think that that's an, a very strong application that that's what goes on in, in confession and holy absolution. You know, it's like, uh, you know, he says to, uh, it says your, your faith has made you well, or, you know, uh, and we'll see that in the next, in, in the next uh, healing uh, event. But the, the, the point is, is, is like, it is, you know, that, that, that sozo is sozane, soteria is salvation. Mm. And that is that's the theme. You know, it's almost as if the Lord is is there's kind of like an analogy going on. I'm I'm healing these folks of of these illnesses. And you know, the, you know how in our day of COVID nineteen, I mean, we know what how precious it is to be free of illness and and to be uh, saved from the contagion. So so it, it, it's like a, a really big deal. And, and this, of course, is what happens when Jesus saves us from sin. He uh, takes our sin in himself and suffers for it in his own body on the tree. He is uh, put to death for our transgressions, raised again for our justification. And so he is nothing but the life and forgiveness 
for those who touch him, for those who hear him, for those who receive his blessing and his healing. As it says, by his wounds, we are healed. And he bore our illnesses, um, and we hear this in Matthew as well, as it goes back to Isaiah 53. And once again, it all goes back to that this Jesus is the new. Don't take the old and try to insert it into the new. No, Jesus is the new, and he is everything from beginning to end. Pastor, I'm looking at these last four, five verses. Are you ready to uh, um, get to these last verses? Oh boy, are we ever. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Oh, I love it. I love it. Anticipation. Matthew writes, And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. So, I mean, there's a number of things here. First of all, let's just start here. Have mercy on us, son of David. These are words of faith. Can you kind of unpack that? I mean, these guys follow and say, have mercy on us, son of David. What are they telling him? Or what are they pleading Yeah, they're, they're, they're confessing him as the Messiah. I mean, the Messiah is the son of David. That's what the uh, little, uh, the young boys in the temple uh, on Palm Sunday were shouting, you know, to, Hosanna to the son of David, you know, and, and the, the scribes and Pharisees heard that. And my gosh, he said, you know, you, you got to shut them up, Jesus. And Jesus says, if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. I mean, in, in the sense here, they're like a brown, uh, excuse me, blind Bartimaeus. Uh, who, who was in Jericho as Jesus is, is on his way to suffering. Uh, he he uh, calls out to Jesus and say, you know, uh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know, hear my prayer, uh, heal me. Um, you know, and, and, and it's like, you know, what do you want me to do for you? Uh, uh, you know, so basically when we come to Jesus, we Jesus says to each of us in his divine service, what what do you want me to do for you? And we say, we want our sins forgiven. <laughs> and, so, and so he forgives us our sins. And so that's it's kind of like a really uh, instructive way in which uh, the pastor as the, uh, you know, the confessor. Uh, hearing confession, hearing the sins, uh, you know, it's like the the sick are coming to be healed, and 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 oftentimes that's that's how the Lord's Supper is looked at in the early church. It was the uh, that it was Saint Ignatius, uh, one of the apostolic fathers, who said that it is the medicine of immortality. Uh, that uh, this is this is what Jesus has for you. And and you come to him, and you don't keep silent. You know, they told a blind Bartimaeus, you know, be quiet. And he and he yelled out all the more, "Son of David, have mercy on me." You know, they they're 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 not gonna they're not gonna uh, shut up and and just kind of uh, let him go by. <laughs> they they want to be healed. They want to see. <laughs> and and you can you can, all of the 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 uh, you know comparisons, the allusions, the the. You know, just all of the instruction here is such is is like a many faceted jewel that 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 is constantly uh, you know a treasure of life to us. We often will hear other people speak 
when they like uh, the, the Pharisees and scribe. I think it's a scribe who says, "You know what, teacher? You know you have some good things to say." But here we hear words of faith because have mercy on us. When you say have mercy on us, like we do in the Kyrie in the worship service, or you see it throughout scripture, that those are words of faith because you realize you have nothing to bring to the table. Mercy means that you are saying, Lord, help me because I have nothing to bring. And then they say son of David, which is really how uh, Matthew begins, you know, the, the, this Christ, the son of David. And, and so they understood that this guy was from this lineage. He wasn't just like a nice teacher. He was God himself. And then he goes up to them and says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Kind of, I, don't, I don't know how I'd describe that. How would you teach that? Because it's like, well, Jesus, you know. <laughs> so why is he bringing well, well, that up? He's trying to, he's strengthening their faith. You know, saying, you know, it's kind of like where, where the man says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, well, Jesus is, you know, he, he sort of, uh, you know, as a as a seeker, a, a zealzorger, a person who seeks the soul, who seeks to cure the soul of its unbelief and sin, you know, by, of course, by the gospel, by the power of God's forgiveness. You know, he's kind of kind of saying, well, well, how do you how are you looking at this? I mean, why do you call me good? You know, remember, nobody is good except God alone. And and that kind of is 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 what is the big secret that's being presented here is that this this man is not only a man. He is the true and eternal God. And and this is this is what is manifested in and epiphanied, oh, if I can use that word, uh, in the, in all of this. And it's sort of like, wh- why are you thinking that I can do this? You know what what makes you think that? You know, in a sense, it's a challenge to them. Jesus is always trying to strengthen their faith, just like with the woman whose whose daughter was was possessed by a demon. You know, he says, uh, you know, he basically, uh, you know, maybe some other people would be offended and to just kind of walk off. And, you know, especially in our day of uh, political correctness, you know, how dare this uh, fellow, uh, you know, question my uh, nationality or my ethnicity or whatever. And 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 uh, and, and when when she says, you know, even the, the little dogs take the crumbs that fall from their master's table, you know, Jesus says, oh, great is your faith. You know, that's always his intention. His intention is always to draw people to himself as the source of life and salvation, the forgiveness of their sins. And in this case, that they may see. And, and how, how a beautiful uh, a, um, analogy or, or an, an example is that of what happens when we become Christians. Uh, see Jesus. We are to see him through the, uh, the eyes of faith. And so then he asked them, and I like this, this is that um, physicalness of God to his people, and not sacramental, but we see that in the sacraments. He touched their eyes saying, it is, you know, this is received by you, basically. You have faith, this is received by you, and their eyes were opened. Then we have about uh, four minutes left in our time here, Pastor. I do want to address this question because it's often asked, probably one of the most often questions is, he says, okay, don't tell anyone about this. Why would Jesus do that? How would you teach that? Well, there's a numerous, numerous reasons. The most obvious one is that it, it, uh, Mark's gospel shows, like at the beginning, that the more people know about this, that, that the only thing they're going to do is come to get physical healing. He's not going to have the opportunity to proclaim the, the gospel. He's not going to have the opportunity to, to 
proclaim it to more and more people because all he's doing is is healing people you know uh, so and, and they didn't even have time to eat you know so so i mean he's he's allowing time for him and his, his disciples to do ministry and, it, and it's kind of like the woman who uh, touched the fringe of his garment underneath you know she she wanted to do it secretly or privately uh jesus kind of didn't want to make a big stir so he could do what was you know what was really important in in his ministry the other thing is that it was a common belief among the hebrews at this time that the messiah would not as isaiah says he he will not cry out in the streets a burning wick he will not quench uh, a bruised reed he will not break uh you know in other words the messiah comes uh you know humbly and and simply so so by the fact that he tells them not to say anything about it he is declaring by saying that that he is the messiah because that's uh, that's in line with uh, uh, isaiah's prophecy pastor we have about a minute left in our time how would you encourage and summarize uh, these verses that we've studied today I would summarize them by uh, we, are, we rejoice in the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who always heals, who always forgives, who, who administers life to the world. Uh, you know, it, it shows us the greatness of our Savior. The, the purpose of, of presenting these uh, wonderful miracles of our Lord is to tell the world of, of, that He is the true and eternal God that has come to save the world. And, 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 and in such a, a wonderful way, how these poor people, you know, and I think people can really, uh, you know, Find that find how they fit into the picture when they, especially when they suffer illness or or or, or some kind of a uh, blindness or or you know some kind of a um, defect, uh, handicap. That that Jesus is the one who is always there to do good and to heal and to bring life, and He brings us life in His Word of the Gospel and His holy sacraments. Pastor David Boyce-Claire of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri, giving us God's strong word from Matthew chapter 9. Pastor Boyce-Claire, thank you again for bringing us his gifts. It is my joy. God be with all. God brought us uh, side by side with Jesus, and we got a front row seat to see his mercy, his grace, and his love for his people. What a ride, and it continues tomorrow. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.